just in case y'all can't tell from my strong accent and sweet smile, I'm a Southern Belle. I'm from Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and at times I just can't help but say, bless your heart. It's part of our language and our culture as Southerners. It's sort of like aloha in that it has, it has multiple meanings. If you've ever been to Hawaii, it kind of means hello, goodbye, you're awesome. It kind of means everything over there. But in the South, bless your heart has two primary meanings. Mm-hmm. Um, one, this is a very common use of bless your heart. It's to soften an insult. Well, in the South, politeness is a requirement. It is absolutely crucial, but sometimes you just can't help yourself. And something critical or mean or something is about to come out. And so to soften the blow and to feel like we're not being so rude, we add in, bless your heart. For example, that baby has a face only a mother could love. Bless his heart. Or, bless her heart with a backside that big. She should not be wearing those stretchy pants. (laughs) If you're wearing stretchy pants this morning, you look awesome. If you bless the heart sufficiently, the comment can't be that bad. That's what we think. But the second bless your heart is the one I like the most. And actually, I hope that I use a lot. You'll hear it a lot come out of my mouth. And it's an expression of love mixed with compassion, mixed with empathy, and like, oh, you're so precious. Bless your heart. Um, For instance, if my friend tells me that she lost her job, her little dog died, and then her cell phone fell in the toilet all on a Monday, I'm just like, oh, bless your heart. Bless your heart. Do you see? You see the difference? Okay, so it's like a verbal hug. Uh Bless your heart. That's the kind of bless your heart that we've come to this retreat to get from Jesus. From Jesus. We have come here to get that kind of bless your heart. Doesn't that sound good? You know, um, I want to start with a picture of my family. These are my favorites. Um, This handsome guy right here, that's my husband, John, standing next to the bride on the left. He's he's my favorite fella. And uh, we've been married for um, quite some time. It'll be uh, 34 years in December, and um, he's amazing. And then next to him on the left is our oldest daughter, Chana. She's almost 28. She um, is amazing. She loves Jesus. She's very passionate. She's a legal assistant. And she has a fur baby named Louie. And then the bride, uh, the radiant bride, is our youngest daughter, Marin. And she's a NICU nurse. And she is so brilliant and compassionate. And standing next to her is my new son. I call him my son, my son-in-love. He's not my son-in-law. He's my son-in-love. 
and see, I've just got my arm around him right there. See, do you, did you notice that I'm standing next to him? Yes. Because I haven't had him for all of these years, and I'm playing catch-up as his second mama, and I absolutely adore him. His name's Tyler Snyder, and he is such a welcome addition, um, a man of God to our family, and he works... Um, for um, a great company, and now I can't remember the name. But he has a <laughs> fabulous job, and he's amazing and a man of God. Um, that's my, those, those are my people. I really um, want to thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Wisconsin, you guys, it's beautiful. Like we're driving, and it's green, 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 and then all of a sudden, oh, there's an orange tree over there. Oh, 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 now we're really getting, you, you timed the fall colors for us. It's just amazing. It's, it's stunningly beautiful. And actually, I really um, fell in love with your church at the Look Up Conference. And um, as a person that was a participant in the conference, I just want to lift you all up, every one of you, and thank you for hosting that conference. It was, um, in, my, in my experience as a disciple, it, it made my top five conferences that I've ever been to in my life. Um, I felt like the spirit really worked in a very powerful way, and I was so honored to be there. You've already met Tracy. She's my newest best friend in Des Moines, and the Des Moines uh, Women's Ministry send you their love, and uh, we have a dynamic women's ministry. We just had our retreat last weekend, and so it, it was. we're coming off of a high with that, and so we're trying to bring a little bit of that to you guys um, here, but I love your church. I love your women's ministry I really want to lift up Christy and um, you know she is a treasured partner in the gospel for me I need friends and partners in the gospel and coming to the Midwest I just felt so welcomed by you and Joel and so thank you for being my friend and my partner in the gospel and I would like us to take a moment just to lift up Christy for all she does for the women's ministry and then the other sisters that served at this retreat to make it possible. You know who you are. Stand up, please, Christy, and those sisters, and let's just give them a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. I love our theme. Um, our theme is in, your pre- in his presence. And just saying that, in his presence, right, kind of calms you down, brings you peace. You feel some blessing to that. It's from uh, Psalm 16, verse 8 through, tw- through 11. Verse 8 through 11, I'm going to read it. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest secure because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Psalm 16, verse 8 through 11. This is a psalm of David, and um, it's a very significant psalm of all the ones he wrote. Um, These verses are also found in the book of Acts twice. So the first time, they're in Acts 2, 25 through 28. And on the day of Pentecost, Peter gets up and he's preaching, right, to the thousands. And he quotes 
David, Psalm 16, verse 8 through 11, and he says that David was prophesying about Jesus Christ and his resurrection in Acts 2. Then in Acts 13, in Pisidian Antioch, Paul, the Apostle Paul, quotes Psalm 16, verse 10. And he says that God raised Jesus from the dead so that we could have forgiveness of sins. He says he's preaching the good news in Pisidian Antioch. And he references Psalm 16, our, our theme psalm here, in Acts 13. I put those references up. That's for deeper study. Psalm 16 is found twice in the book of Acts. That is a very significant psalm. In his presence, the only reason, you see, that we can be in his presence, as David talks about, is because of Jesus. That's what Peter was saying, and that's what Paul was saying. Because Jesus died and was raised from the dead. We can have forgiveness of sins, and that is why we can be in his presence. Everything is all about Jesus. When you read the Psalms, guess what? They're talking about Jesus. You know, when you read the prophets, it's Genesis. It's all about Jesus. And so we're going to focus on Jesus in this retreat. And this morning, we're going to start by talking about promises in his presence. And that's the lesson title for this morning, Promises in His Presence. Take a look at these two passages. 2 Peter chapter 1 says, His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He has given us His very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Here Peter talks about the very great and precious promises. And then I love what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. The Bible is full of the promises God has made. And he, he says, Paul says, they are yes. The promises are yes, what? In Christ. In Christ, everything is all about Jesus. Jesus is God's greatest promise fulfilled. And so we're going to study about two women who were actually physically in Jesus' presence. Talk about in his presence. They were literally in his presence. And they're two of my favorite women of the Bible, Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary. In the Bible, we get to see three days, only three days of their walk in Jesus' presence, of their relationship with Jesus being in his presence. We get three days, only three days. But those three days give a fairly complete look an overview of what their walk, their relationship with Jesus looked like in his presence. And so each lesson is going to be one of those days. And it's really interesting the order that these days take. The first, it's a typical day. The second, it's a tragic day. 
And the third, it's a triumphant day. Mm-hmm. Now, we're going to look at that because really in my walk with Jesus, in your relationship with Jesus, as we are in his presence, guess what? That kind of covers everything. A typical day, a tragic day, a triumphant day. That kind of gives you like an overview of what it's like to have a relationship with Jesus. So be turning over to Luke chapter 10. That's where we meet Martha and Mary. And, you know, we know they're sisters, and we're going to read about that. Um, You know, the Bible explains what we're supposed to know about them so that we can learn and learn from their being in Jesus' presence. So Luke 10. Okay, Martha and Mary. They were so different in many ways. But in the most important way, they were alike. It reminds me of our icebreaker game last night, right? We're trying to figure out what do we have in common? What what are we alike in? The most important way they were alike, they were in the presence of Jesus. They were in the presence of Jesus. We meet them over in Luke 10, verse 38 is where we'll start reading. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Now, I'm calling this a typical day. Jesus comes to your house for dinner. That's not a typical day. But compared to the days that are coming, this is a typical day. Okay, are you with me there? Don't you love this story? Is it relatable to you? I love this story. I am a Martha. Mm, Yeah, naturally. Uh Uh-huh, I'm a Martha. And today I want to focus us on just a simple point, and it's this, the priority. The priority. One sister prepared, one sister pursued. One sister opened her home, one sister opened her heart. One sister chose the wrong priorities, one sister chose the priority. One sister was corrected. One sister was commended. Martha takes this task on, feeding 13 hungry men. And that's kind of at least, because sometimes other people were traveling around with Jesus. But we got 13 people for sure. Men, hungry. You think about it. How often do you have a crew like that and maybe women who followed along too coming on into your house? 
She's the original Martha Stewart of Bethany, right? I mean, she is amazing. But she's distracted. This is what it says in the text. Distracted. She's worried. She's upset. And especially once she sees Mary just hanging out in the living room. And I just try to imagine it. Okay, I just this is my imagination. But I try to, like, put myself, what would I do? What would it be like? You know, it's subtle at first. She's clearing her throat. <laughs> that didn't work. So next, banging pots. Just a little bit louder with that spoon on the pot and pan and trying to get Mary's attention. That didn't work. So then she walks across the living room, gives Mary the, the like, hairy eyeball. Yeah. The hairy eyeball, your eyebrow just goes up and you're like, didn't work. None of it works. So next, she's taking her case to Jesus. This is what she says. Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And there's an exclamation mark at the end of that sentence. She started off pretty good. She calls Jesus Lord. That's really the way to go. Lord, yes, she should have just stopped right there. Because it's all downhill. Next words, don't you care? She's asking love incarnate if he cares, implying that he does not. Are you with me? Then she throws her sister under the bus. Mary's left me to do this work all by myself. Next, she's bossing the Lord of all, creator of the universe, the son of God, Tell her to help me. Now, I'm telling you what you need to do. Are you with me? Do you see this? Any Martha in you? Surely Jesus' response must have surprised her. You know, I can imagine that, you know, she would have expected him to say, What? Sister, we're so sorry. Brothers, get up. Let's go. And Mary, what's wrong with you? Come on. Let's go help out. Or maybe Jesus could have said, Martha, sit down. Jesus did not do that. He gently corrects Martha and then commends Mary's choice. So he says, Martha, Martha, and my, my, my husband in the past has done this thing where he goes, Barry, Barry. And I'm like, oh, I'm being a Martha. That's the signal. I'm being a Martha. Okay. You're worried and upset about many things. That's what he says. Worried and upset about many things. And then he corrects her and he commends Mary's choice. Mary's pursuit of Jesus was more valuable than Martha's preparations for Jesus. What's the one thing? What's the one thing she chose? It's listening to and learning from Jesus. It's sitting at his feet. It's being in his presence. Are you with me? Do you see this? It's right here in Luke 10. Martha didn't need more help in the kitchen. She needed more Jesus. Jesus says Mary made a choice. She chose what is better. She had many things that day too, right? But she chose what is better. She prioritized Jesus that day. 
And here's the promise Jesus makes to her. We're talking about the promises in his presence. Here's the promise. It will not be taken away from her. You know, I think about so many things that are taken away from us. Time. Loved ones. A job. Relationships. Your health. A dream you have. The role you play. But Jesus makes this promise. It will not be taken away from her. Amen. How about that? Yeah. How about that? When you sit and listen and learn from Jesus, when you're in his presence, that is not taken away from you. And so this is also applicable to our lives today. And, and I just want to say, as we're talking about priorities, thank you for coming to this retreat. I commend you. You have been like Mary when you registered for this retreat, right? I'm going to go and be in Jesus' presence at this retreat. I'm going to go and prioritize my relationship with God to get special time. You chose what is better. Are you with me? So I commend you. You're doing awesome. You should feel so great. Like, yes, I made it the right, the choice. You know, I want to share about my choice, my the choice that I've made in my life in 1983. I was faced with the choice. I was 18, a college freshman at LSU, Louisiana State University. Deep in the pride of my sinful nature, I suffered from the good girl syndrome. Do we have any other good girls that are suffering today? I'm a people-pleasing perfectionist with an addiction to approval. Now I'm recovering, so I'm working on it. But I brought all that people-pleasing perfectionist with an approval to uh, an addiction approval. I brought all of that into my relationship with God, right? And so I was 110% convinced that I was a Christian by my pharisaical spiritual performance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was amazing because I'm amazing in the spiritual way, in my pride. But Jesus was actually like serving me as like a spiritual butler. Spiritual butler. That concept is from the lady that studied the Bible with me. Instead of the Lord of my life. By his grace, God sent Lynn Beatty, Ottenweller, and Poppy Wascom. There's a good Louisiana name for you right there. Into my life at just the right time. Two women of God. They helped me see my sin. They helped me see what my sin did to Jesus on the cross. They helped me see my need for forgiveness and the resurrection of Jesus. The need for a Savior and a Lord. Then they really helped me to repent of my self-righteousness and my performance-based religion. That's, that's the life I was living. And I made the choice 
to make Jesus the priority in my life. And it has not been taken away from me. And that was 36 years ago. I chose the one priority. And then you just go, well, amen for you, Barry. How about now? Yeah, it's hard. Because guess what? you got to keep doing that every day to live in his grace, to live in his presence. 36 years later, I'm still recovering from the same pride, from the same stuff. And how do you do that? Will you get in his presence, right? Just like Martha, I can get worried and upset about many things. And I just want to I want to kick off the sharing. Come on now. For me, I'm going to be really specific about right now where I'm living. This week, what has been tempting me from the one thing? What are the many things that I'm worried and upset about? See if you can relate. Oh, and and the quiet time this morning, right, was so great for that. You know, for me, um, in this season of life, of my life, in this season, I had that written down, and then I read it in the quiet time. I'm like, that's really good. We're, like, linked up, Holy Spirit stuff. <laughs> my husband's health. I'm worried and upset about many things. What? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. My husband, my husband has chronic health issues, and... He's, we've discovered some new things recently that are challenging. Okay, another one. You ready for this one? My children's challenges. You guys, I have that pretty mama's heart. And if you're a mama, you got it too. It's so pretty. And I, I didn't hear it, but some somebody said something funny back there. You know, our children's challenges. Right? Our, our children's challenges can get us worried. Yeah. Oh, that's so relatable. Worried and upset about many things. How about financial stress? I, I've been concerned about my finances. Financial stress. I can get worried and upset about many things. Okay, you ready for this one? Do I have any estrogen sisters in the audience? Hot flashes. Oh, my gosh. I can be worried and upset about my hot flashes. It's real. The struggle is real. Tracy and I talked about it turning into the camp. Okay. You know, I carry my little rubber band, put my hair up. It helps me. It helps me feel cooler. It probably doesn't do anything, but it helps me. What are the many things for you right now in this season of your life? What are the many things for you that can distract you from the one thing? What distracts you from the one thing? Now, Tomorrow, after service, we're going to drive back to wherever we came from, drive back home, and our lives are going to be filled with preparations that have to be made, distractions, worries, lots of stuff. We have homes, hormones, and health problems. We've got (laughs) career choices and car problems and children. We've got families, friends, and finances that will all be like right back on you. Okay, I don't want to stress you out right now, but you know, whether you're a teen, you feel it as a single, you feel it as a a married, you feel it as a mama, you just feel it, right? It doesn't matter what season you're in, but then Jesus comes knocking at your door. Will he be the guest or the Lord? Are you going to be a Martha or are you going to be a Mary? You know, the Mary in us wants to stop. And connect with Jesus in his presence. 
but the Martha in us is frantically bossing us around. (laughs) Thomas Merton. I love this quote. Our problem is not so much badness as it is busyness. Thomas Merton. How about that? You're Mary or Martha. I love it. Mary's over here with a Bible and a pen, and then you've got the things to-do list. Pay bills, wash car, get... Are you Mary or Martha? And he says, our problem... You know, sometimes we're not just, like, bad. We're just too busy. And we're pulled away. We're pulled away from being in his presence. Are you choosing the things that will really matter in one year? How about in five years, ten years from now? Right now, are you making the choices? Because you're choosing something. Are you making the choices that in 25 years from now will really matter? Okay, what about 50? Barry, I'm 54. I'd be 104. I think I'm going to be on the other side. (laughs) When 50 years from now, when I'm in eternity, hopefully, well, I will be either way. Am I making the choices right now to go where I want to go, to make those choices, to be in his presence? It is intentional. It has to be deliberate. You don't just wake up and go to your Bible naturally. There are too many things in this earth to be worried and distracted about. There are too many, many things. you got to really be intentional. You have to choose. Now I want to get super practical right now. The choice to make Jesus my number one priority began with a choice to study the Bible. And here's my question for you. Have you ever studied the Bible where you read it and you apply it to your life? You hold it up like a mirror and you look at your life and go, am I doing this? Am I living this? Do I know what this says? As an adult, I'm not talking about five when you were reading about David and Goliath. That's an awesome story. Read that as an adult. But you need to study the Bible. This church has a fantastic Bible study series that will help you with just some basic things that, you know, just are basics to grow in your relationship with God. You could get started at this retreat in free time later. Isn't that awesome? Choose to study the Bible. Okay, if you've done that before, choose to read the Bible every day. Every day. As Christians, we get so busy doing things for Jesus that we are not with Jesus. The many things, even in our Christian lives. Mary sat at Jesus' feet. She listened to what he said. And we have Jesus' words right here in the Bible where we can sit And listen to what Jesus said. Isn't that awesome? Are you reading your Bible? Okay, Christians, have you read the whole entire Bible? Now, if you're a new Christian and you're just starting this thing, it does take some time to do that. So you get some grace. But if you're like past a year in your Christian walk and you have not read the whole Bible, we are basing our whole lives on a book that's about like that. We can read this whole thing. It shouldn't take us five or ten years being a Christian. And you know if you've read the whole entire Bible because... When you get to Leviticus, you it is intentional, baby. You it is deliberate. You have, you're going. I have made a commitment to read the whole Bible, so I'm gonna keep reading, even though some of this stuff is like 
This is not PG-13. We have launched into a whole different area in Leviticus. And there are other things like that. Are you with me? So are you sitting there going, huh, I don't really know if I know what Barry's talking about. I think I read a scripture in Leviticus before. No, no, you would remember if you've read the whole Bible. I promise. So I want to do a little show and tell. Next to the Bible, this this book that I call my Velveteen Rabbit, it's torn up oh, for about the last 10 years. I've said I need to get it rebound. Um, it's completely falling apart. Next to the Bible, this book has helped me to choose Jesus as my number one priority for all of these years of my Christian walk. There's nothing that's helped me more, but all it is is it's filled with only scriptures. That's all that's in this book. And what happened, I call this my favorite scripture book. One year, this is a long time ago when we lived in Asia, I was reading through the Bible in a year for the maybe eighth time or something in my spiritual walk. And I wanted something fresh and creative. So I got pulled out my white journal that I love because it's white and holy. Huh? And so I pulled it out, and, and I started from each day's reading from January 1st. I picked my favorite scripture or two from that day's reading. So then when I had finished reading through the whole Bible, I had one journal that held all my personal favorite scriptures in it, this one journal. And so since then, you see how much I've used this journal? I pray through this journal. I pray with sisters through this journal. When I'm struggling, I'm going to my favorite scripture book. When I'm doing awesome and I want to celebrate a victory God's given me, I go pray my my scripture book. Literally, as I'm sharing about this book right now, I have shivers on on my arms because this has helped me so much. Why? Because they're my personal favorite scriptures. You have them too. You know, maybe you want to put them in a whole book. When I speak, the number one thing people respond to is me sharing about my favorite scripture book. And I have people coming up going, look I, look at my favorite scripture book. And, oh, sisters are amazing. They've made scrapbooks. They, they, they like, I'm like, oh, you are amazing. I mean, they like blow it out. But maybe, maybe you should do that. But whatever you do, read the Bible, right? Read the Bible. I want to give you an action item for this lesson. And each lesson is going to have an action item. Here's the one for today. Sit at Jesus' feet today. Let's be Mary's. Let's be Mary's. You know, immediately following this lesson, we're going to have an opportunity to do that. Immediately following this lesson, I will give you the go. Okay, I'm going to kick us off. We're going to have one hour of silence. Amen. Isn't that nice? <laughs> did you hear that in that silence moment? Did you did you hear what I heard? The rain hitting the leaves out there. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we need silence. Sometimes we're not in his presence because everything is too loud, including our own voices, like me. Some of us are, we have a lot of words to spend every day. That's me. Um, Got a lot of words to spend. We're just going to be in his presence. We're not going to talk to each other for one hour. Unless you are bleeding out. If you need to go to the emergency, there's a fire, something like that. Okay. And even Christy. 
Oh, but I really needed to tell her about, you know, the thing for the next thing for the lunch. Nope. Not in in this hour because you would have to use your words for that. And we're going to have one hour of silence. Some of us just don't know how to come to God. And so we stay busy and the, the loudness of everything and we just can't hear him. We can't talk to him because it's too noisy. So we're going to split up all over this place. And we're just going to have time with Jesus to sit at his feet. So you're going to have time to put this action item into practice. Doesn't that sound good? When we sit at Jesus' feet, there's a promise for us. It will not be taken away from her. We did this one hour of silence at our retreat um, last week. And as I was asking the sisters, what was your favorite part of the retreat? They shared what was the favorite part of my retreat, was the one hour of silence. It was a precious moment. I pray that you know, you'll know you have that too. It will not be taken away from her. That's a promise for those who choose to make Jesus their number one priority. So let's imitate Mary today with our priorities. Let's prioritize being in his presence. Amen? Amen. Amen. Okay, so this is how we're going to do our one-hour silence. You guys ready? We're ready.